All of those things are a way to get people excited about being out in our natural resources. And I do this because I think if I can get, whether it's if it's clients on the water or people reading something that I've written, if they get out and I see their eyes light up on the water and they have a great time, they're going to be a good advocate for those natural resources. Carl Hensel is a fly fishing guide in northeastern Minnesota, as well as the Brule area of northern Wisconsin. He and his wife, Jade, are the owners of Namabini Guiding Service. Carl is also a writer, photographer, and educator. I met him at a local Gitchigumi Trout Unlimited meeting and wanted to learn more about his recently published Fly Fishing Minnesota guidebook and his involvement with Trout Unlimited. Carl shares his experiences in the fly fishing industry and gives us some good fly fishing tips. We also hear about the upcoming Great Waters Fly Fishing Expo in March. I'm Linnea Turner, and you're listening to Emerging, the official podcast of Trout Unlimited Costa's Five Rivers program, brought to you by Sims Fishing Products. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. I know you're super busy yeah. with coming out with your book and everything. Oh, no problem. So yeah, do you just want to give a quick introduction, kind of tell us how you started fly fishing, why you, you got into it? Yeah, certainly. My name's Carl Hensel, uh, and I uh, live up here in uh, Duluth, Minnesota, in between Duluth and Two Harbors, uh, along the north shore of Lake Superior. And I've got a lot of different uh, roles that I play, both in the uh, conservation and the fly fishing uh, community. And those are sort of intertwined with uh, how I started uh, fly fishing. I started uh, out as a um, angler at a very young age, so I've been uh, fishing since uh, since I could hold a rod. Yeah. Um, uh, I started off uh, fly fishing actually not initially for trout, but for uh, for panfish. My uh, my father had done a bunch of fly fishing in the um, the late 1960s and early 1970s, and he had a fly rod lingering around. And I found that uh, with the uh, the sunfish that were in Minnesota lakes that they could be fooled ever so much more easily with a fly oh, than sure. with anything else. Uh, and so that attracted me as a, uh, as a young angler. And I, I quickly graduated from that to uh, chasing trout around the, uh, the streams of uh, western Wisconsin and northern Minnesota and down into the Driftless. I've had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you think you have a favorite region you like to fish kind of back at home or up here more? Uh, that's a good question. I've been living up along the North Shore of Lake Superior here for over 15 years and have had a, a great time uh, being based out of uh, this area. Uh, you know, my my home water when I uh, that I really started out as a trout angler on uh, and growing up the most was on Hay Creek uh, down near Red Wing, Minnesota. And I, I absolutely love it. And I still love getting back there. And it, uh, it still brings me back to the, uh, the days of my youth uh, exploring trout streams down there. Yeah, sure. That's awesome. Yeah, I want to explore the Driftless region more. I've done a little bit in the Wisconsin region, but I want to explore the Minnesota region. It's a uh, it's a great area with you know, really hundreds of limestone spring creeks with a lot of them relatively close to each other. And they're all diverse, but offer great fishing opportunities. The density of trout in terms of the amount of fish in the water, 
relative to the amount of water there is just amazing. And so you can go down to some of those streams in the Driftless and just see hundreds and hundreds of trout. And it's uh, so much fun. Uh, and to be able to watch those fish react to a fly that you cast in the stream uh, is just an absolute blast. Sure. Yeah, I bet. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm a pretty new fly fisher and seeing trout in the river is much more fun. And catching them, of course, makes it fun. But just being out there is it's always a good time. Indeed, indeed. Do you have a favorite species you like to target? Well, that's a you know that's a hard question. I uh, I grew up uh, fishing for uh, for brown trout and brook trout uh, from a trout standpoint. You know, up here uh, I work as a guide both in Minnesota and Wisconsin uh, with our uh, company Nama Binny, and you know we do a lot of chasing steelhead and steelhead migratory rainbow trout uh, originally transplanted into the Lake Superior watershed in the 1890s are just an amazing fish to chase. Uh, and they're a lot of fun. They're big, they're hard to find, they're hard to catch, and you know they always hold a special uh, special place for me. Uh, if I truly had to pick locally, however, uh, in the same watershed here, our native coaster brook trout, which are our original native salmonid that was migratory in the Lake Superior Basin, probably would be my absolute favorite. Every time I catch one, I feel incredibly fortunate. Yeah, of course. Yeah, brook trout have my heart because that's the first trout I've ever caught. But I definitely want to try steelhead fishing. Sounds really fun, and they sound super cool. They absolutely are. It's, uh, I tell people that uh, you know, as, I, as I guide people and teach people about steelhead fishing, that the most important thing that they need to do is to believe that the fish are there. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. So, and you have to believe in what you're doing as well. It can be challenging, but it can be incredibly rewarding. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, can you talk a little bit more about your guiding, kind of how you got started? Uh, certainly. Uh, I've been guiding for, uh, for a long time. Uh, I started off in the, uh, the mid-1990s uh, based out of the Minneapolis-St. Paul metro area. Uh, I was helping uh, out with a fly shop down in that area at that point in time, and uh, we needed uh, people to guide, and I'd been uh, doing uh, some informal stuff previously and formalized the, uh, the setup and started off guiding there and did a lot of guiding for trout in the driftless and uh, came up here to guide steel head on the uh, Boyce Brule in Wisconsin on the, the Superior North Shore as well and also I uh, guided for smallmouth bass. I took a uh, took an opportunity and spent some time out on the East Coast as uh, as well for a, a number of years, and uh, came back and relocated to the uh, Duluth Superior area to uh, guide based out of here, and started uh, in 2007 guiding folks uh, around, primarily focused on the Northland in Minnesota and Wisconsin. Uh, so we focus uh, primarily on three different things. We do steelhead in the spring and fall, both on the Minnesota shore, which is almost entirely in the spring, and on the uh, Boyce Brule in Wisconsin, which is both spring and fall. Uh, we do resident trout, that is uh, generally upstream, uh, oftentimes above barriers uh, on the Minnesota North Shore, as well as in Wisconsin. So we do uh, those resident trout through the whole heart of the season, and we have lots of people who come in for those. And then we do warm water guided fly fishing as well. We use things like rafts and drift boats and whole sorts of different things to uh, target warm water fish species, primarily smallmouth, but we also do pike, walleyes, muskies, all that type of thing on warm water, oftentimes rivers, uh, 
around the area. Things in the uh, Duluth area, like the St. Louis or Cloquet Rivers, are common uh, destinations that myself and uh, some of the guides that work for me take folks out. Yeah, that's awesome. I should definitely try going out with you guys sometimes with your guide service because... I definitely don't know much about the streams here, so it'd be it would be a cool experience. Well, there's a there's a lot to learn just in northeast Minnesota, uh, in the uh, three counties that make up the Arrowhead, St. Louis, Lake, and Cook counties. We have over 1,200 miles of designated trout water. Oh wow! Uh, so there's a lot of water to explore. Uh, whether that's you know within the below barrier water where you can get migratory fish like steelhead or coaster brook trout, or the above barrier water. And that doesn't even touch our designated trout lakes that we have up here, as well as the warm water lakes and rivers. So it is almost an unlimited amount of exploration that you could do in the area uh, based out of uh, Duluth, Minnesota. Yeah, definitely. And then can you go back to like, what do you mean by below barrier and above barrier? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, so here uh, in the western basin of Lake Superior, on the Minnesota North Shore, we have lots and lots of different rivers that flow uh, from Minnesota into Lake Superior. And as those rivers make their way to Lake Superior, in the last 10 miles of their flow, uh, a lot of them will drop sometimes nearly a thousand vertical feet. coming down to the lake. Uh, So they come off what's effectively uh, an elevated plateau, and then they will drop down that 800 to 1,000 feet of drop as they reach Lake Superior. Any river flowing downhill that quickly going through bedrock is going to have waterfalls. And the lowest of those waterfalls uh, usually serves as the barrier for any migratory fish that are trying to work to ascend that river from Lake Superior. So we refer to that waterfall as the barrier, the barrier falls. Okay. So with only a couple exceptions in the Western Lake Superior Basin, all Minnesota rivers generally have a barrier falls that prevents migratory trout and salmon from ascending further upstream. Uh, Sometimes these are giant, large cascading waterfalls Uh, like at one of our well-known state parks on the Minnesota North Shore, Gooseberry Falls, has a giant waterfall that uh, and set of waterfalls that thousands and thousands of people visit every year. Uh, and that is the barrier falls on that particular river. The steelhead, coaster brook trout can't get up any further than that. All the other little streams, with the exception of two major systems on the in the Western Basin, the Knife River and the Nemaji River Basin, all the other ones generally have a falls somewhere. And what that means is that we have a real separation of our trout and salmon species in our North Shore streams. Uh, So below barrier, we often primarily have a migratory salmonid focused population uh, that might have young steelhead smolts, could have, you know, other uh, salmon smolts. Uh, Occasionally, there's very few of them, but sometimes there's a few. And it could have uh, some coaster brook trout or what have you. Above barrier on the Minnesota North Shore at this point in time, it's almost 100 percent wild brook trout. And okay. those brook trout are uh, are above barrier species. So when we talk about all those uh, miles of stream water on the Minnesota North Shore, the majority of that is above barrier uh, brook trout water with no migratory fish. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't know that. What would you say are some of your favorite things about being a fly fishing guide? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I've been doing it a while and I, I, I love doing it. Uh, I love the opportunity to meet new people uh, and to be able to introduce folks 
to places that they have not been before, uh, species that they have not caught, or even just fly fishing in general. I love the opportunity to see someone's uh, face light up when they catch a fish for the first time or a fish that they haven't caught before or the biggest fish that they've caught. Uh, and just getting to share a lot of the important places is really one of the key things that keeps me guiding. Uh, the way that I look personally at all of the different things that I, uh, I do, I do a lot of uh, guiding, I do a lot of teaching, um, a lot of writing within uh, the world of fly fishing. I look at all of those things are a way to get people excited about being out in our natural resources. And I do this because I think if I can get whether it's if it's clients on the water or people reading something that I've written, if they get out and I see their eyes light up on the water and they have a great time, they're going to be a good advocate for those natural resources when we have challenges, when they come under threat. Uh, and for me, that's one of the most important aspects of guiding is getting people excited about our resources and having them have a good time so that they can go back and be a good advocate for them. Yeah, definitely. I get exactly what you're saying. Just trying to get people out there to enjoy the nature so they know what they're trying to conserve. But yeah, yeah you talked absolutely. about um, teaching a little bit and writing. Could you talk about that? Uh, certainly. Uh, you know, one of the things uh, that I do right now is uh, as we talk currently, it's December in Minnesota and I'm looking out on uh, an incredibly snowy landscape. I can't even uh, see a little over three miles between myself and Lake Superior right now because there's snow in the air. Right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that means I'm not guiding right now. So during the off season, I work on other aspects of things that are uh, tied to the world of environment and ecology and fly fishing. Uh, my background is as a biologist and ecologist. Uh, so I've had the opportunity to um, both do a bunch of, of exploration and management and research within the world of these streams and uh, working to improve them. Um, but one of the things that I do a bunch of is I uh, work with teachers and other educators to train them in environmental education so that we can help both students and adults learn about not only trout streams and rivers, but the broader environment that supports them and supports all the other ecology within our region so that folks can, again, become good advocates and understand what's going on. Uh, so I love to train teachers. I've had the opportunity to work with uh, dozens of institutions over the years. I do a bunch of uh, work currently with Hamlin University um, as, uh, and uh, a number of other folks at this point in time. So just a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's, uh, that's one of the things that I, uh, that I do in the off season. The other thing you asked was about was my writing. Yes. Uh, so I've um, uh, been an outdoor uh, writer and photographer for over 25 years and have had a lot of fun with that. Uh, so I continue to travel with my wife, Jade, and we travel around the country or even out of the country to shoot photos and interview folks and tell stories about fishing uh, and places to fish and where to go and how to explore really cool areas that you could go uh, around the country or around the world. Uh, so I work with magazines like American Fly Fishing and other partners to put that out. I also uh, have written a lot uh, over time for uh, the state of Pennsylvania and uh, continue to do a lot of work with them, uh, talking about streams, rivers, and places to fish out on the East Coast, uh, as well as things uh, here in the Midwest. With our Trout Unlimited Minnesota publication that we have here, you can regularly read some of the 
stuff that I write and put out as well. Recently, I've got a new book that I have just launched, and that book uh, is Fly Fishing Minnesota. I've got hard copies that are now available that people can go on our website at namambini.com and they can buy them. They can pick them up at local fly shops, both in the Twin Ports up in here in Duluth, where I'm based out of, as well as Minneapolis, St. Paul and all that kind of thing. This particular book is uh, certainly uh, the largest effort to date. It's uh, 358 pages. Uh, (laughs) It uh, covers over 125 waters. It's got over 60 full-color maps. It's got stuff about fishing techniques. It's got interviews. It's got flies. It has hatch chart and everything that you might need to explore fishing around Minnesota, whether you're a veteran angler that has been fishing for decades and wants to look at some new places, or if you're a brand new angler and you want to learn about mayflies, caddisflies, and stoneflies, or streams in the driftless, Uh, or streams on the North Shore, all of these different aspects of, say, above and below barrier populations on the North Shore, or the characteristics of limestone trout streams in the Minnesota Driftless, all of those are covered in the book and explained in great detail so people can go forth and really dig into learning about the state. Uh, This particular book does not only trout streams and rivers, but also does trout lakes, some warm water lakes and warm water rivers to provide a uh, provides a holistic snapshot of lots of waters around the state so that people uh, can have a good opportunity to get out and do some exploring. Yeah, that's awesome. So what was your process in writing the book? Like how long did it take you to put everything together? <laughs> well, from uh, from first starting to uh, having a book in my uh, in my hand next to me uh, as we're uh, we're talking has been a long time, it's certainly been well over a couple years. Sure, um, yeah. I've done a lot of writing about individual locations in the past. And if we had done a uh, an article or a photo shoot on a stream or river, we've included those. And that was a springboard. Obviously, a lot of those got changed and edited and rewritten and enlarged or worked on as uh, they got melded into the book. There are a lot of rivers and streams that uh, we revisited over the course of time to go back, make sure all the fish were right where we left them the last time we fished there. Uh, so it was a lot of a lot of fun exploration to check out on old hot spots or follow new leads or uh, get good tips about those types of things. And also did a lot of interviews with people who were local specific experts, uh, whether it was someone who really has the straight river near Park Rapids, Minnesota, which is a well-known brown trout fishery. There's a, you know, a guy who's really got that dialed in. So we did a lot of interview with him and used a hatch chart provided by him to really focus information on that particular river. Also, I worked closely with folks from the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources who provided review and input and good reality check on different bodies of water so that we could get those accurately. And having uh, the help of guides, fly shop owners, Department of Natural Resource staff from all around the state is really what uh, made this book come together in something that could be for everybody around the state. I certainly don't pretend that Although uh, I've fished and been forth through so much of Minnesota, my finger's not on the daily pulse of the south branch of the Root River. 
down in Preston or Lanesboro, Minnesota. So being able to include information and flies and quotes and details from a couple of the different shops that are down there, the Driftless Fly Fishing Company in Preston and the Root River Rod Company in Lanesboro, they both provide information, as did so many other places and shops in anglers and friends uh, all around the state. So really that was the process of putting it together was uh, a lot of time on the water, a lot of revisiting places and a lot of working with partners uh, to be able to involve as many people as possible. Yeah, that's super cool. Kind of sounds like a, I guess you could call small-ish research project, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, a couple of years of, uh, of good hard work. Yeah, awesome. But how did you get started with like article writing and photography? That's a that's a good question. You know, I if I go back long ago, I started volunteering uh, with the Twin Cities chapter of Trout Unlimited when I was a teenager. I'd been asked uh, by a landowner who's uh, owned land on a trout stream and said, you know, you should probably get involved with Trout Unlimited so you could help out our stream. And I'd always, since I was a small child, enjoyed taking pictures. And after getting involved with the local chapter of Trout Unlimited, they said, hey, you know, you take pictures. Why don't you just, you know, write something small for our, you know, we've got a chapter newsletter. We put out some uh, some chapter information. You could do that. And, you know, small steps. Uh, so I, I started uh, really within the scope and scale of Trout Unlimited. And then things just continued uh, from there. At this point in time, my wife, Jade, edits our Trout Unlimited Minnesota statewide publication, uh, which uh, we regularly goes out and uh, has a circulation of usually uh, six to 7,000 copies that we put out. And we welcome new writers and people who want to provide content to get involved because it's a way that people can work with us and work with my wife, Jade, to start and get a few photos published and, you know, get a short article published and just go from there. Yeah, that's super cool. It kind of sounds like you just combined a lot of your different passions, like writing, photography and fly fishing all in one. Yeah, that's uh, I'm very fortunate that I get to really do what I enjoy and share the aspects of the world that I like to embrace. I feel very fortunate. Yeah, that's cool. And then you mentioned your involvement with Trout Unlimited. So I know you're involved with our local chapter here, um, but you're also involved with the greater just Minnesota Trout Unlimited. It, right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, so I sit on our our local board of the Gichigumi chapter of Trout Unlimited, uh, but I also uh, sit on our state board of Trout Unlimited as well from Minnesota. I'm the Northern Minnesota Vice Chair for Trout Unlimited, and I do what I can to help all the aspects of things going on with TU in the state. Uh, I also serve to chair our education efforts for Minnesota. Uh, we have a program called Trout in the Classroom that is robust and we've got a great full-time coordinator who manages all of our education programs um, and I chair our education committee to help uh, steer that those things along. So I play a number of different roles for TU around Minnesota. A lot of stuff that hopefully we get in front of a lot of people and makes a, makes a big difference. Trout in the Classroom is a program where students get to raise trout eggs to fingerling size, and then they're able to stock them out in a local waterway. And they get to learn about the life cycle of trout, as well as they get to spend time on a trout stream and sample macroinvertebrates like mayflies, caddisflies, or stoneflies. So it's a great program. And uh, that's uh, one of the things that I really relish being involved with, with Trout Unlimited in Minnesota on a statewide level. Yeah, that's awesome. What age groups is trout in the classroom for? Uh, you know, we really look at 
at Trout in the Classroom as like grades four through 12. Uh, so there's a bunch of flexibility with it, but it's uh, a little bit older kids all the way up through high school and different schools use it differently. Uh, so some use it very regularly with their fifth grade classrooms in uh, elementary schools. In some schools, it's really more of a high school project uh, that they do in an, uh, a biology or advanced biology class. Uh, so it very much depends upon uh, the school system. And we currently have it in over 60 schools around the state of Minnesota. That's really cool. So is this something the schools have to sign up for? You reach out to the schools? Well, we want teachers that are excited about it. And so oftentimes we, uh, while we have lots of stuff out in publications about it, we uh, aren't out there searching for uh, for schools. We look for teachers to get in contact. If they're pumped up about it, we try to get them on board. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll definitely throw a link for that in the, the episode description because that sounds like an awesome opportunity for people to learn about drought mm-hmm. and then habitat restoration, I'm sure, too. Yep. And we have information on Minnesota Trout Unlimited's website, mntu.org, that people can read more about the Trout in the Classroom program. Awesome. Have you done habitat work with Trout Unlimited as well? Yes, absolutely. I've done habitat work uh, myself as a biologist and done that professionally. I've uh, worked to do that as a volunteer also and have helped uh, coordinate and supervise some of our habitat improvement opportunities that we have installed up here in Northeast Minnesota. So in Northeast Minnesota here, we really look at a couple of different aspects of habitat within the trout streams that flow into Lake Superior in the Lake Superior Basin. One is that trout need trees up here. The cold water that we have is absolutely dependent upon an intact forest ecosystem. So while habitat improvement in a lot of places, both in Minnesota and around the country, is really focused on in-stream aspects, one of the things that we do up here is we plant a lot of trees. And we try to create a resilient diverse and sustainable forest that's going to provide the streams with shade and with leafy debris and with eventually large logs that can provide good cover for the fish in streams. And working toward those diverse, long-lived riparian streamside forests is something that is really important for TU up here. And I've had the opportunity to get involved with that. We've had some great partnerships uh, on the North Shore, including working with the Nature Conservancy on a number of aspects. So I've got some great stuff uh, out there. We did a, I did a short film uh, a few years ago that goes through some of those uh, components. The other aspect of habitat improvement up here on the Minnesota North Shore is in-stream. Similar to how people think of habitat improvement elsewhere in Minnesota and around the country, making sure here in Northeast Minnesota that we have good, diverse habitat in our streams, that we have enough deep holes and logs and pools and good cover and places where the fish can hide from predators and hang out during the winter or in a drought in the summer. That is something that we've done, and I've loved getting involved with that. Uh, We've had some awesome projects up and down the North Shore, and there are miles and miles and miles of improved trout water that people can explore both locally close in the Duluth Superior area, up and down the North Shore, as well as throughout Minnesota. So uh, if people want to visit good habitat work that's uh, taking place, we have some great examples nearby on the Sucker River that are not too far outside Duluth. Yeah, that's awesome. Eventually, our club at Duluth is going to have to get involved in some of those projects. Yeah, we uh, we welcome club involvement uh, from Five Rivers Clubs, 
from any students, uh, and we love getting people involved to get them out on the water, uh, whether working with in-stream work or uh, dealing with a lot of the tree planting that we have. Uh, it's a great way to get people involved. We will have a ton of tree planting opportunities uh, up here in Northeast Minnesota that coming up this next year. Awesome. Yeah, that's super exciting. And then you also mentioned um, habitat work you've done professionally. Um, is that stuff you've done out in the east? I've had involvement with a wide variety of projects in different areas going back over uh, a couple decades and I've had a, uh, had a great time uh, doing it at this point in time. It's not a big uh, specific focus of what I uh, do, but I've absolutely loved, uh, loved doing it. Uh, there are some great habitat improvement professional firms out there at this point in time that in recent years have really developed a robust ability to help out Trout Unlimited, help out departments of natural resources and other uh, governmental units who are doing uh, habitat work. And they uh, offer great professional opportunities for people to get involved with to do that type of thing. And they have really created a good systemic models of replicatable successful habitat improvement that can be done uh, really nationwide at this point. Yeah, that's awesome. And then aside from your writing, your photography, your fly fishing guiding, and then of course, um, habitat work with Child Unlimited, uh, you also help run the Great Waters Fly Fishing Expo, right? Yeah, that's correct. My wife and I uh, operate the Great Waters Fly Fishing Expo. Uh, that's the uh, large Midwestern uh, fly fishing expo that takes place in St. Paul, Minnesota, in the Minneapolis-St. Paul metro area. This next year, in 2023, it'll be uh, taking place March 17th through 19th at Hamlin University. And it is a opportunity uh, for thousands of people to gather together and check out cool gear and learn to cast a fly rod or get tips and tricks if they're going to go on a destination. You can meet guides, meet outfitters from everywhere from Alaska to Argentina this year. Wow, that's Uh, awesome. We'll have some great people uh, there at this upcoming uh, year's expo. And we have dozens of programs that people can attend uh, to learn about whether that's uh, fly fishing for smallmouth bass or muskie or trout in the driftless or trout up north. It's lots of information that people can have a good time. And it's also just a good opportunity to get together with other fly anglers. Yeah, that's awesome. And there's like a schedule right on your web on the website that kind of goes through what is happening when, when we get. Yes. Uh, when we get closer, we will have speakers and presenters and other programming will be listed there. Awesome. And then there's, I was looking at like last year's schedule, you have like a film showcase too? Yes. Uh, we have a regional homegrown film showcase for people that put out or create fly fishing films. Uh, we encourage anybody and everybody to submit a film and have gotten some really great films that people have created that come in and is a lot of fun to highlight fly fishing from a uh, film standpoint around the region. I, I enjoy watching a good fly fishing documentary. So I'm going to try to bring our club down there and we'll spend the weekend. It'll be good. That'd be great. These are uh, these are always what we'd refer to as a short. They're always less than seven minutes in length. Uh, so we tend to show a, a good group of them and people can uh, can have a good time seeing fly fishing opportunities around the region. Yeah, that's a awesome. A lot of stories get told. Yeah, definitely. If people have 
questions, I would just uh, encourage them to go to our website, which is uh, at namabinny.com. They can read about uh, some of the different uh, writing or photography or guiding that we get into. People want to you know, delve into that and explore it a little bit further. So that's one of the big things that uh, people can, uh, can check out. Beyond that, look forward to seeing lots of people down at the expo uh, in March. And that'll be the kickoff to next year's fishing season. For those of people who are not getting out and doing the, uh, the winter trout fishing, uh, that will be coming up real soon. Right. Yeah, I want to try to do some winter trout fishing. Do you have any tips on it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, winter trout fishing in the driftless specifically is awesome uh, because of the limestone spring creeks that are there. They rarely freeze. The water comes out much warmer. Uh, they have a lot of spring flow, and it's one of the best winter trout fishing uh, locations that you can find around the region and certainly uh, in the continent. It is great winter trout fishing. The streams are relatively small. They're usually relatively walkable, so you don't necessarily need to wade, which uh, keeps your fishing much warmer in the winter if you're not standing in the water. Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, by not wading, uh, you can do great. Uh, it's primarily a lot of uh, fishing with nymphs or sometimes small streamers, very little dry fly action if you're a flying lure down there. But fishing nymphs is just a great thing to do in the winter. Um, people will commonly go to some of the uh, the hot spots that, that are certainly not secret, like parts of the Whitewater Valley uh, down near Whitewater State Park are just a lot of fun and uh, certainly attract a good number of anglers. But there will be hundreds and hundreds of miles of trout water that will be uh, open as of January 1st. The other thing that people should know is that there's almost it's almost like a secret season right now because we're still in December and there is a town and park season in southeast Minnesota that never closes. Oh, and right, yeah. The uh, the state parks themselves, like Whitewater State Park, and a select number of cities, like in Preston or Lanesboro, have stretches of river that are open year round. And if you get a warm day and the uh, weather warms up, it can be just an absolute blast uh, to fish there uh, in the uh, the late fall and, uh, and early winter. So there's a lot of opportunities down there. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and then you mentioned that it's mainly nymph fishing. Um, why is that? Well, when it's cold out, we get very few hatches of uh, dry flies, of uh, insects that are going to emerge from the trout streams that the fish would feed on in the winter. Uh, really, the only ones that we do see are we see some midges and we see some uh, some darker black winter stoneflies. But that's about it and only on the warmest days. Uh, so most of the fish are focused on subsurface uh, underwater flies. Uh, well, sometimes they will hit streamers and other things that uh, might imitate a minnow or a crayfish or something like that. If the fish are particularly cold, uh, they're going to be moving pretty slow. And that's just the reality of it. Uh, so fishing like a bright, flashy streamer where the fish have to run and chase it doesn't always work in the winter. So that takes you to a nymph presentation where you can slowly dim, uh, drift nymphs through uh, deep runs or pools. And that's really the best way to get fish on the line in the winter. Oh, gotcha. So you're, you're really thinking about the biology of how the fish are acting this time of year. Absolutely. You have to. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so what, while we're wrapping up here, um, what are some tips you have for some young and new anglers? Well, if you're a new angler and you're on the water, the best thing that I think you can do is to spend some time observing. 
what's going on. What I recommend that people do is they wait to rig up their fishing rod until they get to the stream. Uh, because if you do that, if you rig up at the car, you're going to be very tempted to put on a fly. You're going to, uh, you're going to walk the river and you want to just start fishing. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you wait to rig up your rod until you get to the water, you can sit down on the bank and you can do some observation. You can look to see if there's any fish rising. You can look for insects. You're going to be watching what's going on while you're putting everything together. Uh, and that's going to give you just a little bit of downtime. And that helps out a lot. The other thing relative to observation that I would recommend is if you're going to a stream or river for the first time, get in the water and flip some rocks. You want to look at what is on the underside of those rocks. Okay. And you're going to want to imitate that. Because that's where our aquatic macroinvertebrates, that's where our bugs are living, is usually on the underside of rocks, sometimes on logs, sometimes in uh, aquatic vegetation. That's where those bugs are going to be living. See what you can find. Now, I've been mentioning a few times, I've mentioned mayflies and caddisflies and stoneflies. And, uh, there's, you know, dragonflies, damselflies, dobsonflies, helgramites, all these types <laughs> yeah. of things. As a new angler, you don't need to know any of those words at all. But what you need to do is you need to observe. And that is probably the best tip that I can give is that if you flip some rocks, you want to look at the little brown or black or leggy or fuzzy or whatever thing that you find that are there's a lot of in that stream or river that you're fishing. And you want to match it with some sort of brown or black or leggy or fuzzy thing sure. that you happen to have in your fly box. You don't need to know the name. You don't need to know why it's there. But observing that it's there and thinking that, hey, if there's a lot of these in the river, that's what the fish probably are going to eat at some point in time is a really good way to start. And that's the best way that I can recommend starting out on a new stream or river. If you're during the time when there's going to be a hatch in the spring or the summer, I'll observe cobwebs. I'll look at spider webs along the stream. I'll see, oh, what was hatching last night? What was going on? I'll look under street lamps. Oh, I'll wow. you know, mm -hmm. look under all sorts of areas to see, oh, well, what was going on? Uh, because if I haven't fished a stream for a while, or even if I do regularly, I want to see what was, you know, what was just been happening. So that amount of observation is absolutely going to make a difference uh, for uh, new anglers getting out there. And, you know, that's probably one of the biggest things. Yeah, definitely. So basically you're just saying is to try to understand the system that you're fishing in. Yeah. Uh, you know, try to understand it to a point where you can replicate it a little bit. And if people are excited about learning the biology of those bugs and the names of them and what they do and why they live there and why they're important, then that's great. But if they just want to replicate what they see and have a good time fishing, that's awesome too. Yeah. Um, also, I guess, what about just the basic of choosing a spot to fish in? Well, choosing a spot to fish in can be challenging at times because you look at a piece of water on a map and you try to find somewhere that you think is going to hold fish that you're going to catch. And you got to show up and give it a shot. There's two aspects that I'll narrow this down so that, you know, I'm talking more about the Midwest or the Northland here. Then, uh, you know, but a lot of these rules apply to other things as well. One is that if you're looking on a map, look for a more sinuous stream, something that is going to have curves to it, because curves on a map and then curves in a river or stream uh, will indicate a diversity of habitat and a greater propensity to have good deep pools. 
Okay, yeah, that makes uh, sense. And that, when you're choosing a spot on a macro scale, is a good opportunity and a good thing to do. On a micro scale, when you get to that section of Stream River that you've picked, and you're saying, which specific hole do I fish and start on? Sure, yeah. Um, what I would recommend is fishing something that has a good pool depth that there's a deep pool that is attached to a run and that's probably giving you your highest odds i see a lot of people that uh, gravitate very quickly to fast water and that's great but you want to fish if you're going to fish fast water you want to fish something that is tied to a large deep pool and the reason for that is that trout whether they're here whether they're in california or pennsylvania or canada uh, they need to exist if they are resident fish, non-migratory fish. They need to exist in that stream year-round. And the big thing about having a good deep pool is that deep pool can hold fish when it is frozen over in winter, if it's not a spring creek. And it can hold fish during the drought of a low water summer. And you're going to be more likely to have more fish in there. And fishing the fast water coming into something like that is going to provide some of the best odds. Awesome. Yeah, those are some great tips. I'll definitely keep those in mind next time I go out. I'm kind of just choosing a spot. And I mean, I think I should take more time to observe it, like you've been saying. So I'm not just casting just to cast. So I'm trying to mimic the unnatural environment. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds good. And then what are some tips you have just for people to learn more about fishing the North Shore and the South Shore of Lake Spear? Like, where can people find yeah. more information? Uh, well, in, in addition to the book that I've uh, got out <laughs> right, yes. can, uh, you know, that they could order from us on our website or stop into a, a fly shop and get, uh, you know, you can go online to the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources website, and they've got some good resources where they uh, map out their trout streams, the trout streams in Minnesota as well. That's a good opportunity. There's also a really great app uh, called Trout Routes. And uh, Trout Routes is a good one that people can use to be able to find access and easements. And you can zoom in real close and you can see where streams are legally able to be fished throughout Minnesota and throughout other states all around the country. So it's not a free app. Uh, at this point in time uh, to get uh, the robust features that you might like, but it's really, really useful. I've heard of it, but I've never used it myself, but I, sh I should definitely try it. Yeah, it's uh, uh, on, a, um, on a detailed scale, uh, to, especially when interacting with like fishing easements and public land and private land. Uh, it can be really helpful, and especially for new anglers, it can give them the confidence that they are in a spot where they're fully allowed to fish, and uh, that's a good thing. I also uh, have, in the book that I just wrote, uh, I have lots of hard copy maps that people can see easement and public and private land at a really great level of detail as well. Awesome. Yeah, well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today and share your experiences and some fly fishing tips. It's been really awesome to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. And I uh, hope to get a chance to uh, see you down at the expo and uh, locally as well. And uh, Good luck fishing. If you're in the Minnesota area and want to learn more about Carl, educational opportunities, or the Great Waters Fly Fishing Expo, check out the links in the description. This season is hosted and edited by me, Linnea Turner. The music is made by the Wright Brothers. If you have any questions, feel free to send them to fiverivers at tu.org. I hope you get a chance to try out some winter fly fishing. 
Thanks for listening.